Welcome to episode 72 of the Ben Briggs podcast. I am Ben Briggs. It's Saturday, people. Saturday, the 11th of January, 2000, 2020. Um, only it's not. It's Monday, people. I know. I'm super late. Super late. You may hear the urgency in my voice this evening. Stop stressing, people. I'm back. Um, yeah, I'm two days late. Fucking out. I apologize. I know. Those resolutions, those New Year's resolutions of getting everything out on time has been totally fucked this weekend. I'm sorry about that. I've been grafting, son, haven't I? Grafting, fucking grafting um, all weekend. And um, uh, I am, I can only apologize for the lateness. It's Monday. It's 8.35 on a Monday night. Two days late, people. I know. I know. I'm trying to be a better person out there. Yeah. Yeah. I've been anxious, people. I've been suffering with a bit of anxiety this weekend about getting the podcast out. So, you know, if you'd just like to back up a little bit. Uh, no, um, I have been uh, anxious about uh, getting the podcast out because I was like, oh, fucking hell. I thought I'd be able to do it last night, um, but uh, I got stuck late at a gig and um, didn't have time. By the time I got back, it was like midnight and I was like, oh, fuck it. We'll do it Monday now. Wouldn't we? Because it is Monday, um, so I can only apologise about that, people. It's been a it's been a fucking busy weekend. I know, I know. You're probably thinking twenty minutes on stage, Ben. Is that busy? Not really, is it? Um, not really that much of a busy time, but um, it's been a weekend of nice gigs this weekend. Uh, I'll give you a little rundown. Friday, uh, I was in Holstead um, for Pearface Comedy who are doing, like, little theatre gigs now and shit like that. And that was really nice. Nice little theatre, the Empire Theatre in Holstead. I don't know where that is. Essex area. I just follow the sat-nav, people. That's it. Um, but it was a nice gig. Um, cracking lineup. I've just been freezing my fucking tits off in green rooms all, all week. I don't know what it is. Why they can't sort out heating in a green room. Uh, but Holstead on Friday night was fucking freezing in there. Um, on stage, it was nice and warm, but, um, the theater itself is fucking lovely. Like a nice little theater. I think it holds about 250, 300, something like that. And, um, it was good lineup. Gig went well. Um, there's some good acts on, uh, me old mate, Chris Nor Norton, Norton Stalker, uh, Norton Walker was, uh, Chris Norton Walker was, uh, emceeing, um, did a cracking job and, um, there was, uh, other acts on whose names escape me right now. Um, Chris McCausland was closing it, and um, Aaron was on. Aaron was on. I always get that. I always get that fucking name mixed up. Aaron and Aaron, which is which? Just ask them, Ben. Ask them. Ask them how their names pronounced. That's it. That's what we do, isn't it? So I was there on Friday night. Saturday night, I was in Huntingdon, uh, Commemoration Hall. He says, uh, put into Emma too much emeration in there commemoration hall in Huntingdon for pear face again fucking hell um i was there uh saturday night which was a really really fucking nice gig really fun gig um again a really really nice venue for it um it's like a theater venue um thin room thin long room but uh nice stage um fucking freezing green room again I was freezing my tits off uh, in there. Maybe that was still thawing out from the night before. 
Uh, but thank you uh, to the audience from Huntington. They were fucking really nice and gave a few follows and a few messages and stuff like that on on the old social media, media um, which was nice. Um, and uh, a few of the people said they were going to listen to the podcast. So uh, hello to those if they're listening. Sorry, it's late. You will you will become accustomed. No. You don't need to become accustomed. That's this is you know we're sinking into a hole. New people, new listeners. We're sinking into a hole that we drastically need to drag ourselves out of. Um, we, Ben, are you using the term "we" when it's just you? I know, I know, people, I know. Um, yeah, so I, I need to pull my finger out a bit. But uh, Huntingdon was really nice. It took me fucking ages to uh, find somewhere to park, and I just literally whacked it outside somebody's drive. Um, near the city centre because they've got a fucking weird one-way system there and I kept taking the wrong turn in and in the end I just got the ass. I got within about a fucking, within a mile of where it said the gig was and I thought, fuck it, I'll just dump my car here and hope that I don't get a ticket on a Saturday night. Hope they haven't got like eager beaver fucking traffic wardens in Huntingdon and you haven't. People of Huntingdon, you haven't. So um, that works out quite nice. Um, that was a good lineup. Uh, President Obonjo comparing did a great job, and um, uh, Ivo Graham was opening, and then Gary Delaney headlining. So it was a fucking really great lineup uh, for that gig. I didn't hang around um, to stay. I was going to stay and watch Gary, but I was just fucking knackered after the gig uh, and desperate to get back to my car to see if that that surprise ticket was on the windscreen. It's always nice. If you dump your car in a city centre or something and you think, oh, should I leave it there, should I not? And you come back and there's no ticket on it. Ah, that feeling, the excitement, the anticipation of getting back to your car and finding no ticket on it was fucking amazing. Thank you. Uh, But it was a really nice gig. And then last night um, was an early one. I did uh, some new stuff at uh, Project Mayhem in Birmingham for Shamsaman. Um, who runs a gig there, like a workshoppy type, kind of like a workshoppy type gig. Um, there used to be a gig years ago that used to run in Birmingham at the Roadhouse in Birmingham. Uh, I think the venue's closed now, or um, I don't know. I think they've redeveloped and ripped it all down down there. But there used to be a nice gig where everybody used to go along. I think it used to be like a Monday night or something. They used to run weekly, and people used to just be able to go down, try new material from notes, and just see if some of it flew, some of it didn't, and it didn't really matter that much. Most of the audience, this is something I hate about London gigs, whereas like most, you know, new material nights down there, uh, very much um, uh, just acts like in the audience, and the audience gradually depletes down. But um, to have a nice supportive night, they're not necessarily that supportive in London, but um, to have a nice supportive night where you can just go down try out some new material and um, and just um, see what flies, see what doesn't, and just do it from notes and um, without an audience that are just looking at you as if you've got fucking three heads. Um, because you're working it out, people, ain't ya? You're working it out. You're trying to find the funny in there so you can take it to nights like Halstead or Huntingdon, those uh, theatre gigs, and um, and see how it flies. There's a very different, there's a very different sort of um, um, the way the gigs are run 
like when you do a uh, theatre gig, it's very, very different. It's all timed to the fucking letter, man. Like they were uh, the other night, they were um, texting and ringing a, a bonjo to say five minute call. You get all that shit. That's what you get. It's like proper theatre people there. You get the five minute call. They're just they're just clearing the bar now and all that. Whereas like in uh, normal comedy clubs and that, it's a little bit. Um, all right, should we uh, give them ten minutes and then uh, <laughs> and then uh, see if they're ready for the next section? Um, but it was nice. It's nice doing those sort of gigs, um, and the audience were really lovely. Bit of an older audience in uh, Huntingdon on um, Saturday night, and I was a little bit backstage. I was like, "Oh fuck, are they going to hate me or not?" It's always you get that trepidation um, doing the sort of um, well. I suppose all acts get it, but doing the sort of material that I do, um, quite dark shit, bit sweary. Um, you always got that thing in the back of your head thinking, oh, God, they're going to fucking hate me, these people. Um, but it just goes to show you can't take it at face value, people, can you? Uh, and uh, they were really nice, especially the Huntington audience. They were really, really nice. There was a um, fucking little heckle I got from a uh, woman in a wheelchair at the front, like right at the start, and you're like, oh, fuck it now. Woman in a wheelchair, you can't say anything. Uh, but I sort of like uh, managed to get my way out of that. Uh, got a couple of laughs for it as well, and she was fine. So um, at least I think she was. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Fucking hell, just bulldozed through it. And uh, keep your head down, son. Stop them snipers taking pot shots out at you. And get on through. That's it. So they were nice. It was a nice weekend of gigging. And then like late last night uh, back because Project Mayhem had their awards ceremony, uh, which was basically Shams Man handing out uh, little certificates and shit, like just to thank all everybody who supports the club and that, um, which was nice. It was a good fun night. I thoroughly recommend getting down there if you've got an inkling either for getting into comedy or an inkling into just, how um, the dynamics of working out material for a uh, a set and you want to see the raw footage of comedians sweating and uh, uh, trying to work out material in front of you. Um, it's a good grassroots factory floor. This is where we tried to piece it together sort of a night. And, um, and the audience are aware of that as well. Um, which is quite nice and it's quite a supportive environment um, to get that done and just to try and brush up and explore ideas and shit like that, which is what we all need, people, isn't it? Even you need to explore things in your job, surely. Surely. I don't know. I don't know what jobs you do. Message in with what jobs you do. Um, yeah, so um, apart from that, uh, this weekend, I have been preparing. Fucking hell, Ben. Preparing for what? Um, well, um, fourteenth of um, fourteenth of fucking February, I got my fucking hernia up come through. So they originally gave me the eighth. I'm in New York for the eighth, so I can't do that. And then I've managed to fucking blag the fourteenth. So the old hernia will be gone at that point. My limping around and uh, hanging off the fucking mic stand, as I realised I was doing in Huntington the other night. 
I took a little stroll and the old hernia popped out on stage and I was like, ah, oh, right, okay, I'll just hang on to the fucking mic stand for a bit. Just uh, just not not show any expression of the pain I'm in uh, and just try and get through this. I looked at my watch, I had 15 minutes to do and I was like, I can't just stand here in front of these people and push my fucking groinal hernia uh, back in in front of about there was about 250 300 i think there as well that night so it's nice like playing to a lot of people um but i i didn't think they had that much trust in me even though the gig went well i don't think it would have been that much trust in me that i could have put my hand down my jeans and pushed my hernia back in so i had to sort of like just grit down take the pain and just stand there and i found myself that I found myself gripping onto the mic stand. And I thought, do you, do you think, they can they tell at the minute that I'm in fucking agony at the moment as I'm hanging onto this mic stand? Or that, do they, uh, I, I was trying to pass it off as being cool and nonchalant, hanging off the mic stand. But uh, it may may have come off as uh, more like uh, that they were, that I was holding myself up uh there for a moment but um yeah we got through it anyway that's the main thing so at least the operations come through for the 14th for feb and it's being done at the old private now not that i'm paying private people i am nhs through and through but uh it's being done at the old private hospital so get me own room and shit like that oh can't wait for that so um and a week before that i'm in new york so i'm back for about three days after new york and then um and then have the old operation done. So I might be off my feet for a couple of weeks or a few weeks or whatever, um, depending on if I can get about or not. Um, crutches, I imagine, that will be the thing, won't it? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't had this before. I fucking... The thing is, I'm a little bit... I don't mind telling you, I'm a little bit apprehensive about it. I had my gallbladder taken out like 2000, 2018. Uh, like about a year and a half ago. And um, uh, no, almost two years ago, something like that. Who knows? It's gone, people. It's gone. The gallbladder is gone. But I had that done. And uh, the, the worst thing about any sort of operation for me, I don't mind sort of like going in. I don't get, you know, like I don't mind all that shit. The thought of them, they knock you out anyway, don't they? But um they fuck they fucking completely knock you out anyway so it's not like somebody i know um who i know has had a groinal hernia done as well and they kept him awake for the operation and they said well oh, yeah you can come in early but we'll keep you i don't know why that was whether they were trying out some sort of sadistic operating procedure obviously they uh, give him local anesthetic or whatever for it or just chilled him out a bit I don't know, but um, he was fucking awake. I remember having, uh, I had a fucking lump. I've got a scar on the side of my head. I had a lump on the side of my head. And I had, I remember them just give me a local anesthetic for that. And um, I could feel them cutting through the hair and you can feel like the blood trickling down and shit like that. You can't, it doesn't feel painful, but you can just, you can still feel them doing it. And for me, being knocked out in a um in in an operation is the is the best thing. I couldn't fucking I don't think I could stick it 
if they were uh, keeping me awake for it. Um, but the worst thing for me is just that cannula that goes in the back of your hand. Just the thought, ah, man. Even now, the thought of it is making my fucking palms sweaty. Uh, the thought of um, the cannula being put in my hand. I had that done when I had my gallbladder out, and it wasn't that bad. And I'm just hoping that it's not going to be as bad. It was just felt like a little bit uncomfortable, and then the geezer was like, okay, right. So this is just going to feel like you've had a couple of gin and tonics. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then they started the injection, and I was like, bang, out for the count. The the best sleep, I think one of the best sleeps I've ever had in my life, that is. You can see why Michael Jackson used to take sleeping pills every night, probably, to uh, so he could get to sleep. The amount of bum holes he's been looking at, I don't know. I don't know. Come on, people. Let's calm down. But, um, uh, yeah, that was the worst thing about it, like having the cannula in the back of the hand. Uh, and then them taking it out again after the operation. Then I was all right. I was up. It was when the World Cup was on. So 2018 when the World Cup was on, because I remember waking up and they had the football on in the recovery room, and I was like, this is fucking wicked. I've had the best sleep of my life, and I've just woke up watching uh, the fucking Brazil game, I think, or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. Let's not go into details, people. Yeah? Yeah. But anyway, so like, I'm sort of like preparing for that. Mentally, people. Yeah? Mentally preparing for that and also preparing to go to New York with the old tick off list and all that shit. This is what happens in it. You have to have a little tick off list for, for every time you go on holiday, don't you? You know, make sure you got your tickets, money, passport. That's it. That's what my mum always says. Tickets, money, passport, everything else you can buy there. In it, that's all you need. As long as you've got your tickets, your money, your passport. Yes, Ben, we get it. You've said it three times now. It's as if you're padding for something. I know, I know, I know. But yeah, that's all you need, innit? But I've been like, but then I over-elaborate and start overthinking about the shit, I'm, shit I need. It's about an eight-hour flight, something like that. I need a pillow, and I can't have those neck pillows because I don't know who invo- invented those neck pillows, but they are fucking the most uncomfortable i don't know they're everywhere they're in airports you type in you know flight pillow or something and it'll come up with those obviously i'm describing it when i'm googling it but i just want a little tiny little pillow that can just because i've got a window seat just in case um (laughs) just in case i need to look out the window uh if you're hitting an airstrike or something like that you're right it's over people isn't it that's it you get a missile up your ass on the plane or something like that. It's been displayed this week. You know, there's nothing they can do. You might as well just, you know, I swear to God, I must have read this somewhere. Like, I must have read this somewhere. Um, either that or I've made it up. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm claiming this to be a true thing. The reason they get you to lean forward is so, like, when the plane crashes, You know, if it's going to hit head on with something, it instantly breaks your neck and puts you out of your misery. I don't know. No, my luck. I'll be like, pop me head up or something and just like break my neck and not die. That's what somebody's told me anyway. I don't know whether that's true. I used to drink a lot in pubs. You know, you pick up these random bits of information from other drunk bastards in pubs and go, oh, I'm going to use that. That sounds reasonable. And then everybody, like when you come out with it, you're all probably sitting there at the minute thinking, Ben, 
you're full of fucking shit, mate. That is bullshit. Uh, I don't know. How did we get onto that? How did we get onto that? I don't know. Let's have a bit of tea and uh, think about that. Preparing, wasn't it? Yeah. Preparing for uh, flights. So, um, yeah, so like, I found myself a little pillow I can take. I've got a little blanket I can put over myself. My full intention is what I usually do. I've got a gig the night before I fly out. So what I'm going to do is stay up that night. My flight's about 8, eight o'clock the next morning. So I need to drive down to Heathrow, pack the old blue bullet up, get the old bus into Terminal 3. And then head out. And I think by that point, I'll be that knackered. I think the last time I went to America, um, Chicago, a couple of years ago, and um, uh, I, I put my head on the pillow on the fucking runway. I think I was more or less dozing as we were taking off and then woke up with very little time to go, with about 45 minutes to go. That was a fucking dream flight. That's what they ought to do. They ought to pump in some sort of sleeping gas so everybody can just fall asleep. Not the pilots, obviously. Uh, that <laughs> that'd be the, the shortest flight ever. Uh, just pump in that. I'd be up for that, where you could just, like, fall asleep, wake up, and then you've got, like, half an hour to prepare for landing, and that would do me fine. Because I'm flying over on my own now, uh, I'm flying over there on my own. I'm going to have two fucking people next to me who I don't fucking know. Who I've got to squeeze by every time I need a piss. So that's why I don't drink on flights either. Because, like, my fucking bladder seems to, like, at the age of 42 now, my bladder seems to, like, produce more fluids than I'm actually taking in. So I have to be one of those, excuse me, can I just get by, please? Because I need to go to the toilet. And they're bound to be asleep, aren't they? So then I've got to wake them up and I can't touch them to wake them up, can I? Because they'll fucking scream. Um, I don't know. These are all things I've, uh, I'm going through. The things that are like I'm running through the scenarios in my head at the moment. So I've got the window seat because I don't want to have the uh, aisle seat. The aisle seat, I should have gone for the aisle seat, but then you can't fucking put your pillow against anything, can you? All you've got to do is like lean into your right then, or your left, depending on what side you're on. But you're leaning into a complete stranger then, aren't you? Or you're leaning out to the aisle where somebody's bound to fucking knock your head as they, they waddle through to the toilet. So then... So now I'm stuck in the like the window seat and I've got two other seats to get by, hoping that they're awake for the rest of the flight or I, or I just urinate or I'll just take an empty bottle with me. <laughs> that could be the solution. Just take a hee-wee, just whip it out. Don't mind me. As somebody's uh, next to you, just looking at you a bit strange. Well, it's either this or you have to stand up. Which one are you going to go for? Hey? Uh I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that. But anyway, so that's what I've been preparing for. I bought some new trainers. Fucking hell, Ben. Some more new trainers, yeah. Bought some new trainers, a fucking new T-shirts, because I fucking destroy my T-shirts because I wear them under gigging, and then you're fucking, because you're constantly, like, sweating, either getting hot or cold or 
fucking, the old nerves start kicking in. I destroy the T-shirts that I wear under my uh, sweatshirts. Um, just the arms are just hanging out of them. <laughs> I'm sorry for the graphic detail, people. But this is giving you a behind-the-curtain look into the pain that we suffer. The T-shirts that we destroy as stand-up comedians. Um, it's a little bit too graphic for some. I know. I know. I know, people. Anyway, what are we on? 24 minutes. The thing is, I was going to do, um, I was going to do adverts in this, but literally I'm going to be sitting in this position on my fucking sofa, drinking tea within 24 hours because we're catching up, baby. That's what we're doing. We're catching up. None of this. Two days later shit for the next one. It's coming out tomorrow. It's due out on Tuesday. We're doing it Tuesday. Yeah? Okay. So I was going to do some adverts, but I'll save them for tomorrow's episode. So let's have a little look at the weird shit that's been going on in the news this week. Um, There was that weird shit, weren't there? Fucking hell. People of America and other countries, you may not have heard of this. People of this country, you may not have heard of this. Uh, the woman who posed as a boy uh, to get a woman dresses as a boy. Here we go. I had it Googled earlier and it's gone, isn't it? Just re- <laughs> fucking hell. First thing that comes up is uh, transvestitism. Yeah, that's not the story I'm looking for, people. Uh, let's have a look. Woman who posed as boy to sexually assault up to 50 girls is jailed. Too fucking right. Thank God. Finally. There's a woman out there doing it as well. It's not just fucking seedy middle-aged men. Uh, obviously, this is a horrendous story. Uh, Gemma Watts pleads guilty to seven sexual assault and grooming charges. Uh, there's a picture of her. Two images of Gemma Watts, 21, who has been jailed for eight years for posing as a teenage boy to groom and sexually assault girls. I imagine they weren't giving the, the, the lad anything back when she was dressed as a lad. Because that would have been spotted straight away, wouldn't it? Oh, no, 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 no. I'll just finger you. It's okay. Do you not want me to wank you off or anything? No, no. That's <laughs> all right. I'm fine. I'm all about the giving, baby. All about the giving. You don't you don't want a blowjob or anything? No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, a woman who poses a teenage boy to groom girls as young as 13 on... Oh, fucking hell. That's a bit sick, isn't it? Yeah. Jesus. You know, I thought they were going to be about 16, 17, something like that, 18. Not that that's, not that grooming them's still good, but Jesus. Underage. Uh, online and travel around the country. Jesus. To sexually abuse them has been jailed for eight years. Too fucking right. Some of the vulnerable girls targeted by Gemma Watch 21 were so traumatized by their ordeals and sense of betrayal that they have self-harm or tried to kill themselves. Fuck. That sucks all the fucking comedy out of this story, doesn't it? Jesus. Uh, some of the vulnerable girls, uh, yeah, Watts, who used the alias Jake Watson. Fucking hell. Could it get, could it, you know, you might, as well, you might as well just call yourself Gemma. Any closer you want to get to your name was jailed for seven offences involving four girls. Officers said many of the victims would only realise they had been tricked by Watts. Now she had been jailed and a case publicly, uh, widely publicised. When she met victims in person, she tied her own hair up in a bun and wore a baseball cap, baggy jogging bottoms and a hoodie to convince the... And a fucking strap-on, I imagine. 
Uh, Watts was so convincing that she even spent lengthy spells as Jake with some of the girl's parents. Fucking hell. She was only caught when she went into the ladies' toilet. <laughs> when she was never seen pissing into her urinal. After she was arrested, Watts told police she saw it as a game and claimed I was only trying to cheer them up. Fucking hell. With a couple of fingers. Oh, the judge. Says, how was she caught? Does it say how she was caught? Judge said it was worrying. Uh, Evans accepted Watts had a low IQ, was immature, had issues about her own sexuality, had no previous convictions, but she said some of the abuse was sustained. Fucking, yeah, man. Uh. When, fucking hell, when the girl questioned Watts over her breast, she said they were man boobs that had appeared when she was overweight. <laughs> oh, man. And that went down, did it? Ah, that's my, yeah. Uh, hey, um, what about your vagina? That's my mangina. That's my uh, mangina. That appeared when I was overweight as well. Uh, that <laughs> My mangina appeared when I watched Sex in the City 2. It just appeared overnight when I read Cosmopolitan. Ah, oh, fucking hell. Jesus, I know there's naive. You know, they're kids, aren't they? Fucking hell. Jesus. What a fucking horrendous story that is. In a victim impact statement, the teenager said her heart exploded when she found out Jake was an adult woman. Fuck me. Jesus. Eight years. Fucking too right. The girl was excited of receiving her first proper kiss and the youngest victim was fucking 13. She's banged up. Anyway, she doesn't look very convincing as a fucking boy. Um, she looked, to be honest, she looked vaguely more attractive as a boy than a girl. Um... I don't know, man. Fucking hell. Jesus. Uh, what a horrendous story. Anyway, let's move on to some lighter. You see, this is why I should read the stories before I actually fucking, you know, just instead of just reading the headline. Here we go. Here's one. This has got to be uh, fucking a little bit lighter hearted, surely. Um, man suffers three direction after taking sexual stimulant used to breed bulls. Thank you. For lightening the load of this podcast, man who had the three-day erection. Oh, we're back. The unnamed man, no shit, he's going to stay unnamed, whose age is also unknown, travelled to Veracruz in East Mexico to buy the stimulant as part of an exciting plan to have sex with a 30-year-old woman. Are you sure it was a 30-year-old woman? Could have been a 30-year-old man just tucking it under. Who knows these days? Uh, a man had been rushed to hospital uh, after taking a sexual stimulant used to breeding bulls that left him with a three-day erection. That's not bad. Three days is all right, isn't it? You know, you can live with that, can't you? As long as you haven't, you know, got to do anything in spandex. Uh, the man in Mexico's name, ages and names, believes to have taken the stimulant as excitedly planned to... Oh, uh, why are they repeating this? However, he ended up needing surgery to tackle the persistent engorgement. Just cock. At Specialist Hospital. Have they got Specialist Hospital? You need to go to the spe Specialist fucking massive dong hard-on hospital. That's just down the road. Doctors told the newspaper they're selling their story. No such thing as uh, patient confidentiality out there. He had taken a sexual stimulant which he bought in Veracruz, used by farmers in that region to invigorate bulls for insemination. Wank... There's a fucking picture of him as well, and they've pixelated out his cock. 
The man he's claimed to have travelled uh, to buy the stimulant. He underwent surgery, but there have been no updates on his condition. Ah! I don't know. Last October, dad from it. That's a bit of a non-story, isn't it? Man has erection for three days. No updates on his condition. Ah! He's coming down. Even as we speak, he's getting less and less hard. Last October, a dad from East London had an operation to remove part of his penis to stop his constant pain for erections that lasted three days. James Mudd, unfortunately, name 38, had his embarrassing problem began after a motorbike accident just before Christmas of 2015. Ah, oh, straight over the handlebars, I imagine. Summit split. He had corrective surgery and screws put in his neck. Fucking hell, that's not going to help you. And also suffered post-traumatic stress disorder. Of course he did. We all do these days. After the crash, so was given antidepressants. And then he got a wedge on after that for three days. There's a lot of penis problems in there out there. Three-day erection. I mean, like, I bet he could have fucked a bull with that, couldn't he? Jesus. Three-day erection. Never mind. It sounds like he's getting better now. <laughs> Hey, you got the guy with the three direction? No, not at all. What's that tucked under your fucking belt? Hey, why are you wearing those MC Hammer fucking trousers from the 80s? <laughs> Just trying to cover something up. Oh, I don't know, people. Anyway, we got through it. That's episode 72. Um, I will back. Be I will back. I will be back. I will be back uh, literally within 24 hours, people. We've bashed out this one. It's going to be a little bit more organised tomorrow. Um, and um, and that's that. If you've got any questions or anything or anything you want to send me uh, or any questions you want to pose me, uh, just uh, message me at pod- uh, podcast at benbriggs.co.uk. Like, uh, share, subscribe. Thank you. Um, I'll be back uh, on Tuesday, motherfuckers, which is tomorrow. Uh, take care till then.